You're listening to Some Like It Pop, a bi-weekly podcast where we take a look at the latest in pop culture. My name is Bradley Stern. I'm the editor-in-chief of Pop Crush. I'm Samantha Vincenti. I'm the managing editor of Pop Crush. I'm Ali Zubiak, an associate editor of Pop Crush. And I'm Matt Donnelly, and I'm a senior writer at Pop Crush. Great. So uh, welcome to our very first episode. Yay. Uh, yay. Uh, We're going to take a look at some of the latest headlines and then take a broader look at some of the issues in pop at the moment. And at the end of this podcast, we're going to have an interview with Carla Hall from Top Chef. So, uh, fine. Let's get into it then. Uh, First topic that just hit the headlines is Britney Spears. Uh, She has a new single coming and uh, it's called Make Me Ooh. And I think I might be the only one who is genuinely excited about this in the staff. But <laughs> Bradley is definitely our resident Britney stan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Does Britney have a fan name? You know, she kind of came in before all of that started, uh, but we've kind of come to call ourselves the Britney Army. Um, mm. Militant. You're like a general in the Britney I, Army. I would say I'm a general. Uh, I was a lieutenant at one point. Right. Promotions um, are inevitable. Yes, yeah. Um, but, you know, we've been a long-standing troop um, fighting the good fight. Uh, she has a album coming out, which was also announced is going to follow the single in exactly a month's time, if all goes well. Um, and we're pretty intrigued by their description lately. Brittany herself has said that it is very different from anything she's done before. Uh, her manager, Larry, has warned us that this is not a straightforward pop album and that it kind of sounds like The Weeknd, um, which... I'm really curious to hear what that means exactly. But as someone who has followed her career so closely, like, what do you expect from a first single? Well... Considering her streak of objectively perfect songs, I would have to say, <laughs> Object, totally uh, objective. I I think it's going to be surprising because I think every lead single she's had has been not what we've expected. Uh, so I think this is. I think they might even come out with a ballad or mid tempo. I don't think it's going to be up tempo. I think they're trying to hint to us that the album is not going to be a usual banger affair. Right. So I am excited to hear what she has. And again, I, I have no doubt that she will deliver. Because I assume that weekendy means they meant like sonically production wise, like an R&B and less tortured topics about pill abuse. Yeah. And because obviously if her social media is any indication, right. it's more Hawaiian vacation. Hawaiian vacation. <laughs> inspirational quotes. And yeah, I think maybe... Uh, that won't happen at all. Any lyrical references to the weekend won't be happening. But I do think there will be some moody sounds, uh, maybe some zane, ooze, some ooze, some ahs, some uh, you know haunted, uh, <laughs> haunted cooing, haunted house noises. Haunted cooing. That's you heard here first. Uh, breaking. I think there will be a lot of sexy jams. Sure. Uh, bedroom bangers, if you will. Uh, but I don't. The think... The title would indicate as much. Yes. But I, yeah, I don't think it's going to go dark as far as theme because I don't think she wants to go there but who knows really I don't know did you like Britney Jean (laughs) (laughs) on the spot really this This is is a lot we're gonna go we're gonna jump right Um, into this Britney Jean had good intentions uh there there was a major issue in calling it her most personal album to date because most of it were GRL discards and will I am 
B-sides, but she did have a hand in writing some of the songs, but all of those songs were very Christian, and I don't think her fan base was really expecting that, and so it's a half uh, empty dance album, half deeply religious spiritual album, so I think it was her most confusing album to date. That's a match made in heaven as far as I'm concerned. I, like, I when, mean, when you pair those uh, together, it's a really winning combination, and I, I just don't, I don't know. It's, yeah, you go to church and then you right. dance. exactly. That's, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's my history with Dirty yeah, dance. With, with dirty, dirty dancing, of course. Sure. So it was like a creative stepping stone, you'd call it. Um, yes. I think they went for, they wanted to go Ray of Light, but instead they, uh, they, they kind of caught her on a Sunday, and she was worshiping for a bit, and then she, she was <laughs> like, I just want to dance. And now we're reverting back to Saturday night. Yeah, we're definitely reverting back to Saturday night into maybe some Sunday morning. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about the album. Obviously, everybody else at this table is also really excited mm-hmm. about it. So excited. Really um, excited. Yeah. I have to say, I've been looking for my entry point with Britney for 20 years now. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is kind of a bit of a make or break moment for her as far as being relevant in this new era because she kind of got away with her name for a very long time. I would say about for the past five or so years, it's been like, well, it's Britney. But now there are actual teens who do not know who she is, which is horrifying. Is I that true? So Lord, Lord had an interview two years ago that really battered me um, <laughs> emotionally where she said, yeah, I was watching um, Britney on X Factor and I went on YouTube and I had no idea she had, like was this big pop star and oh everything boy. like that. Lord said that. Lord yes. said that? First of all, it's it's hard to remember that she's not 30 because right. I always forget that Lord is a teenager. Right, right. And also, to be fair, she grew up across the world. So, I mean, I know Britney's yeah. internationally famous. Right. But, but I feel like Lord is so well versed in music, she should be aware of Britney. Well, let me give that you another true. anecdote, please. I was in the the crowd at X Factor, and I was next to a young cool brag. Go on. Yeah, just don't worry about it. I was there for two nights, um, and I was next to a a younger gay, and he was maybe sixteen max. And he turned to me and he said, "Oh, who are you here to see?" And I said, well, Brittany, obviously. And he said, oh, that's cool. I'm here for Demi. Brittany's kind of old. Wow. <laughs> and oh it was God. then that I realized that life is short. Mm-hmm. And, and That was just the flatline moment. And the pop star's yeah. life is even shorter. And yeah. It is. So I, I do think it's actually, this is the moment where she has to kind of reassert herself in the pop world and make her relevant again. And it's, it's not going to be an easy task. She doesn't have the teens behind her she kind of has her existing fan base so. and just by virtue of, of having a vegas show although i think this has changed a little bit but i think vegas show entails legacy act or at least used to used to i would say the so conversation now. has changed though partly because of britney but <laughs> also because now it's cool for djs to have residencies there more than right. ever and you've got j-lo and you've got you know Backstreet Boys, which that's not a vote of current status, but there are a lot of acts coming. Katy Perry's supposed to be thinking about it. <sighs> that's she surprising. Did. I don't know why it's surprising exactly. Yeah, no. I don't know. A lot of acts. But yeah, so she's she's in an interesting place, and I think she had to take take it to the next level if she's going to... Why, why do you think that J-Lo 
or maybe do you think that JLo is more enduring than Britney? She's not, she's not younger than Britney. Right. Is it that she's more multifaceted? Well, if we're she's really going to go there, if we're really going to go there, I think it's because JLo's still hungry. And I don't think that Britney is necessarily hungry for being on top of the pops anymore in any way. I think she likes having her babies. I think she likes having a show. It's like a job that she could go to and then she can go home. But I really don't get the impression from her that she in any way wants to dominate the charts. So that's another interesting aspect of this album. It's like, what are we going to get from her that she wants to give us? And how much can we get from her? Because I don't think she's going to give a whole lot as far as promo. She hasn't for a very long time. But J-Lo, my God, she wants to do everything still. She still wants to act and she wants to dance and she wants to do all of it. I think Britney's really happy recording, but I don't think it's like, she doesn't want to be number one. I don't think she wants to fight with Beyonce and Rihanna. I don't think that's Which her. is fine, frankly, toward, you know, when yeah, you've been I around agree. for this long. You, I feel like I would be the same way if I was a pop star. Be I'd a be real laurel rester yeah. after a while. Yeah. Nash, I mean, she's been in the game since Mickey Mouse Club. She hasn't had a real life, so no, take now vacation, she gets to have it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame her. So Get anything she gives me, I'm, That's what I say. Yeah. Please, load up on them. Mm. Um, so anything she wants to give us, I think, is a blessing. So, yeah, excited for that. Um, moving right along, there was a very controversial statement made by Kylie Jenner in a new interview um, where I'm just going to say that she had sort of the right idea in what she was saying, but it was an interview with Marie Claire, and she said, I started wigs, and now everyone's wearing wigs. Kim just used my wig guy last night. I just do whatever I want to do, and people will follow. I don't disagree that people will follow whatever she does. I don't course. disagree either. Which is a very alarming state of affairs. But Oh, absolutely. But obviously everyone's jumping on the line, I started wigs. I think she, she just misspoke and meant to say she started right. changing her hair color and things like that. And and people did, you know, when she dyed her hair green, green was like a thing for a hot second. Uh, I, I don't disagree that she kind of led some trends, certainly the lips. She started wearing Von Dutch hats again, and people are saying now Von Dutch is coming back. Oh, really? So look out for that. Trend watch. <laughs> Brittany would like a word with her. Christmas 2016, Von Dutch hats. Um, um, what, we spoke briefly about the origin of the, was it an 18th century construct? Is that, was it 17th? We, we're going back a few the, hundred the years origin of the, the wig? origin of the wig, if we're going to get technical here, is a little bit, I think, you know, perhaps behind that's true because Kylie. everyone seems to be having in this debate a different idea of who did start wigs. And right. I'm not Obviously, sure. there's a lot of cultural yeah. reference yeah. points everywhere. Definitely that preceded Kylie in like, many who's many to ways. Say Native man didn't take some like leaves and like tie them together with twigs and yeah. fashion them onto his head. Like that's just what I'm saying. Surely, that's true. yes, and surely she did not consider that when she made that. No, statement. but um, so did she mean like she started wigs with? her family or do you think she meant like she started it with the demographic of 18 to 25 year olds who have very few cultural and fashion reference points i think that's what it was I think and also she thinks who she... are these teens wearing wigs I'm, i don't know the exact um <laughs> is it like a very big trend they're I'm all wearing totally wigs. Just don't know yeah yeah um i think it's i think she's more talking about hair color and style if anything i don't even think she even i wasn't even sure she meant like lace fronts yeah. or if she meant like the kind you get at Ricky's it's like bright blue right 
How well, even if she was talking about that, she's not, right? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Nope. I bet Ricky's would agree with you since, you know. Agree. Let's get Ricky in here. Even if yeah. we're just going by pop stars, I mean, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, they've yeah. all been doing that. Right. Absolutely. And that's not even the beginning. For but Kylie, sure. Kylie is a trendsetter. I mean, I bought her lip kit. You did. And I, don't I didn't want to call you out directly, but... I know. I was waiting for it, actually. You have the lip kit No, I think it's at, at home. home right now. Yeah. yeah. On the so next excited? podcast, we're going to sit here in silence <laughs> while you apply it. <laughs> and all we hear is it. the goo yeah. application. Yeah. And then that's how we'll evaluate how good it is. And then we'll describe here how that's it looks. A, that's a good idea. With no visual. Yeah. I mean, I can't. As much as I do not want to elevate her any higher, I really cannot blame her for having this very limited perspective because everything has been handed to her and everything she's done on social media has sort of taken off. And so I don't really blame her for feeling like she has contributed to that because she has. Is there like a perspective pill that we can just force feed each member of the Kardashians? Like, is there some sort of immediate cure-all that we can sort of offer them? That pill is like the crippling reality of non-fame. And I don't think they're going to have that pill for a long time. Mm -hmm. They've dominated for like a decade now. I'm shocked by how long they've gone. I am too. It eludes me. They've really endured. Yeah. (laughs) They've they've gone through some really tough times. There's always a new scandal that you really didn't see coming. I mean, Caitlyn really opened up a whole new chapter for them. Mm, yeah. It was incredible. Chris Chris is just a genius. And the, the yeah, the fingers of their reach really extend throughout the celebrity community oh, in yeah. Malibu and beyond mm-hmm. now. So. And the Black China, Black China is going to be a new chapter in this for sure. There's going to be a reality show. There's going to be drama when they divorce. It's just going to be... Whoa, whoa. No, when they divorce. I can honestly say I hope they outlast every marriage. That would... Including Kim and Kanye. I'm sorry, North. I I agree. I that would be amazing. Love and revenge. Mm. Exactly. Okay, moving uh, to a similar Kardashian uh, theme. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can't get away. This is from. actually just a Kardashian. Yeah. It's really just a Kardashian cast. We'll find at the end. Uh, we're talking about Kanye, who also made headlines as he often does um, for speaking out about the same incident uh, for nearly a decade now. Um, when he famously interrupted Taylor Swift at the VMAs. Um, He was at a concert in the Philippines, and he talked about how that changed his career. He said, That night when I went on stage was the beginning of the end of my life. You know what night I'm talking about. When I said what everybody else was thinking, so if I get in trouble for saying the truth, what's being said the rest of the time? He then also cited Lady Gaga's decision to cancel their joint tour as being part of the consequences of that action. Just curious what everyone thinks of the fact that this is still somehow part of the pop culture conversation. My immediate thing is like, I will be very clear about the fact that I am no Taylor Swift fan, as you may come to know. Mm. But I feel like Kanye does sort of have this tendency to be like his own like revisionist historian where he just like sets up the past in which like he has somehow been slighted like i don't necessarily agree with the idea that everyone was thinking that thing that night i remember even Katy perry tweeted something about like i can't remember what exactly you stepped what it was. on a kitten right yeah remember when Katy perry thought that taylor swift was a exactly kitten? that's Isn't what that i was saying like this remember is... when they were friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if even Katy perry could swoop into her defense and i mean mm-hmm. you know yeah I, he does sometimes say something that alludes to the fact that 
everyone else has his shared opinion, which is also uh, very pompous. But to me, that's what I, not what, one of the things, I am a big Kanye fan. I should say at this point, a huge fan of his music, progressively less so of him as a person. Oh, totally, yes. I don't blame the Kardashians for that. I think um, that's definitely a, a symbiotic thing. But And unfortunately, his, his Twitter and his freedom of movement on Twitter is unfortunately negatively colored my opinion of him. But something I have always loved about him is his complete ability to say what he's thinking at any given time. Yeah, yeah and a lot of times he backtracks on that. He's not afraid to sound stupid and backtrack on things. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's this infamous outburst in the Katrina special. But then there's like, I'm thinking of many years ago, it had to be a decade ago. He was in an interview with, I think, Sway, who asked Kanye if he felt guilty in retrospect for screwing over Dame Dash, I think, in favor of Jay-Z. And he owned up to it. In the interview, he was like realizing it visibly on camera and was like, yeah, I did mess up there. And I think that takes a big person. And I think there is always truth to a lot of his statements about honesty and art. Does it apply in this case as a justification? No, I don't think it does, but I love that quality about him. And I think it's responsible for a lot of things he's made that are interesting. I think conviction is a great thing, especially when it's in the context of your art. I think fighting for your art is a great quality. And I think that's a lot of the reason that we're fans of the people that we're fans of. But I think in the context of like when you're speaking about just celebrity culture or like people as human beings, after all this time, I think it's not too much to expect that someone will take a step back, take a breath before they tweet something. And I don't think at this point, as old as he is, as long as he's had Twitter, that that should be so much of an issue still. And I think it sort of is. Yeah. But I mean, also, Taylor has... Yes, the inciting event, I don't see Kanye as a victim here, even though he did face far more backlash than she did. He did lose that tour. He Mm -hmm. effectively left the country for a minute, did all sorts of things on a creative walkabout, um, and she did get more famous. She was already famous. She was going to be famous. I think it made her more famous to some people. Mm-hmm. I, I barely knew who she was back then. Oh, there's definitely a sympathy effect for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I literally barely knew yeah, who she was. Same. Seriously, <laughs> I really didn't. I was like, was she? Is she Carrie Underwood? I was yeah. really it's similar. So it was a weird video too, to be honest. I don't even know what video it was. No. That's how yeah. out of it I was with Taylor. I was all Kanye. No, I wasn't thinking that it. about Beyonce's no. video. I was no. one of those people who was thinking it. But, oh, I, I was too at the time. Totally. Um, but I mean, they've both mutually benefited from this. She's, she has benefited from it. And doesn't she yeah. have a framed picture of the moment in her apartment? Yeah, that's my oh, thing dear. with it. It's like, at this point, I, I wonder when people will realize that both of them are kind of using it for further promotion. I don't think either of them actually dislike each other. And I think they know they're smart enough to play the game. And I think the more they come up with ways to rehash the same event, the more they're just getting people to be like, remember that time? And everyone's getting outraged all over again. And it's like a tandem bike ride from hell in which like they know they have to keep it in motion and they like don't want to, but they're still like yeah. careening right through the park and like going up and down the trails. So Until they watch the throne right. album. <laughs> do you guys think that Taylor approved the lyric then? Because that's a big uh, I don't think she did. I can't imagine. I don't think she did either. I don't, I don't think it was think her happy. idea either. He claimed it was her idea. Right. Her dismissal of it was so like immediate and reflexive mm-hmm. that I feel like if she had, she would have probably just like stayed a little bit more silent. I can't imagine she would have just like set it up like that. Unless she really is a master manipulator above all of these. I don't know. Well, don't that's know, but... like the underlying narrative is that Taylor knows exactly what she's doing and she did this 
she orchestrated it in part with Kanye, which I feel like is cynical untrue. even for me. I yeah. think yeah. Um, <laughs> that's some major conspiracy theory talk. It is, but it's also not entirely unlikely. Didn't somebody behind the scenes at the was it the Grammys say that it was approved at the time? One of the producers of the show. There's an interview with somebody who said basically that she knew this was happening, and yet she still feigned outrage. Something like that. I could buy that. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I. We may never know. I don't believe We that. will never know. I don't think she actually cares, but I think she had to make a statement to look like she cared more than she did. I think she was probably... Love a statement. Good statement. Mm-hmm. They'll do the Love. trick. She She's always got a statement. Inspiring Grammy speech. <clears throat> yeah. But again, I still think she's secretly not totally unhappy because it's elevating her at the same time and making her look sympathetic for sure. Um, also, at the end of the day, there's really no winner or loser because they're both doing great. Like, exactly. Really great. Exactly. Um, so I think we should move on to our larger topic, and this actually kind of relates, and that's our access to pop stars and celebrities and not only what we say about them, but how we interact with them quite physically, in fact. Oh. Um so one of the biggest stories that has come is Justin Bieber canceling his meet and greets um, because of an incident where somebody on the restricted list made it into the venue. And we don't know why they were on the restricted list, but she or he, I shouldn't say she, for, I mean, I'm just assuming it's Stalker Sarah, but it might I know. not be. I totally have the exact I, same that, That's who the visual is Stalker for me. Sarah. She is this teen, 20, 20. Oh, yeah. 20. Good for who her. takes pictures with every pop star she in, essentially not just pop stars like just yeah and their republican candidates and stuff. too oh, and oh, republican, and republican <laughs> candidates okay. she will essentially there was a new york i think new york times profile in her yeah. 2013 oh. that she essentially obsessively tracks the travel yeah um of any star who's like heading over to england right now or whatever and she lives in la i believe and she will track their flight essentially and just post up at LAX yep. or wherever they are here there she has relationships with the paparazzi and they'll be like oh so and so is over at trendy restaurant in LA I don't know the name of and then she will just post up there and it works and she has built up this following she's been offered like reality show and her own sort of venue but she's just content to stock and she has the, one of the keys to her success is she always looks exactly the same yeah that's one of the creepier things is that it's the same exact face and look mm-hmm. clothes and outfit, wire room glasses and it's just like Wig. you could do a montage of all the pictures <laughs> and only the celebrities Wig. change trench coat <laughs> yeah, red basically. trench coat wearing <laughs> the world's carmen san diego it's distinctive <laughs> There is no red trench coat. But so you're under the impression that she is the reason that he has stopped doing this. I, it's just who I picture as okay. on the restricted uh, right. list. I have like no, a prototype. I was picturing that. That was my visual okay. as well. But um, so somebody got in that they did not care for. And after that, they. Although said, it's more fun to picture like a frothing mad woman. Yes, like absolutely. A, yeah, just gnashing and clawing. Right. Rabies has got her tear, her hand tearing. <laughs> yeah. Shirt right. Tearing. And her believe shirt on. Um, so he canceled those and his fans were real mad. They were also mad, and this I get, because they did not, they said you could either get a refund, which would also give up your ticket to the show, or you would have to accept this downgraded meet and greet experience where you get to see him in the room and take pictures at him, but you can't take pictures with him. So you can like see him from afar and be in the same breathing air as him, but you cannot 
document that experience. So people understandably did not want that experience. So they wanted to refund it entirely and were told that they would have to give up their ticket to the show as well. That I think sucks. Yeah, in an isolated sense, I would be pissed as a consumer, as someone who was under the impression I was getting something that I paid for and then was not going to get it, of course. In a more general sense, do I think, you know, musicians are, you know, obligated to do meet and greets? No, of course not. But in the same way that they have the choice to do it or not do it, fans have the choice to show up or not show up to the shows. And I think that's pretty much all there is to it when it comes to that sort of dynamic. I do think like this, the the prevalence of social media now though has sort of, there's always been meet and greets, although I feel like they're getting even steeper and more insane with the oh, price yeah. tags now. But I feel like- Demi and Nick. There might've, oh, there might've been like a, a thicker barrier between the two and there still is one, but people don't think there is because they see these carefully curated timeline looks at people's lives and snaps and Instagram. So- yeah. They really do feel like they can reach out and touch them metaphorically and physically at any time, like they didn't before, necessarily. We've had some celebrities start to speak out about it sort of in a row, and that's why it's become sort of the topic we wanted to talk about, because it keeps happening. Um, Halsey had a sort of now infamous speech outside of the BBC building where she was confronting a group of fans very excited to see her. Please don't be mean to me. I have been working since eight in the so morning. Hard. That's my halsey. That um, and keep, it that was, was like nine thirty a.m. at the time. She had been the clock for ninety minutes. Yeah, she had been working for ninety <laughs> minutes. We start work at eight a.m. too. That one's stuck we get a little halsey, bit. Right. Um, that was met with both support and a lot of criticism, telling her, "Well, this is your job. You know, this is what you're supposed to deal with anyway." She was speaking to the fact that people online were yelling at her for not stopping to take a picture or, you know, rushing into a building. And I'm of two minds about that. Mm -hmm. I feel like it is something that makes you as a pop star to create relationships with your fans and you should, at every opportunity, try to be nice. And she particularly really prides herself. Yes, she absolutely. As part of her self-marketing too, is yes. has a very direct connection with yes, her fans. I treat my fans, I treat them like real people. Right. But because of that, I also feel like, yeah, if you're having a busy day, I don't have time to talk to you. Like, if you're really real with them, like, you're like, hey, I got to go in for an interview. I'll talk to you later. I think she gets a pass if she really had to rush into a building. I don't know if she actually did or not, but I think I definitely have seen a lot of fans be completely unreasonable with their expectations and think that you need a selfie and you need to stand there as you, like, get the right filter and then do another one. And I've seen... There was that crazy dad who wrote that article about Ariana not being gracious to his oh, daughter. Right. And at first I read it and was like, oh, Ariana sucks for this. But then... Don't you dare. I, I'm sorry. But uh, then I, people pointed out how he kind of... The underlying story was that he frequently went to these meet and greet situations where that his, his daughters were like super fans who... Yeah, like constantly he was doing like a creepy things. Yelp reviewer of meet and greets. He's like, right, this other right. meet and greet we went to two weeks ago. And <laughs> right. he's like, wait a minute. Wait a second. Um, so I, I just, I feel like there should not be this expectation that you get anything besides music and live performances. I think everything else is, um, is a bonus, really. I don't think you're guaranteed anything else. But I think in the context of fan expectation, at least in terms of social media, I think... Say I'm not famous today, which I'm not, 
but if I wanted Not to be yet. famous, and suddenly I was thrust into fame tomorrow, and I chose to open up a social media account, Twitter account, Instagram, invite fans into my life in a personal way, then I'm, you know, I'm in a sense setting myself up for them to want that for me constantly and not to say that no one should operate a social media account or you know engage that way but if you're going to get specific then fans are going to get specific too and i think there are stars like jennifer lawrence who have avoided this altogether by not even engaging in that way um do i think it should scare celebrities away from opening social media accounts no but i think there has to be some sort of expectation that if you get into it then you're really going to get into it i do think it's a double-edged sword though because Mm -hmm. when if you don't build that fan base then no one's going to care about you right. a yeah. lot, especially nowadays. I mean, that's at, literally how Halsey landed her. Yeah, deal. exactly. Yeah. It's all based on True. the Internet. I mean, One Direction, their entire fan base all came from the Internet. If it wasn't for that. They never would have become what they were. Before but it they, can all be about the music. And with her, it's not all about the music. It can be. But nowadays, I don't, I don't know if that's really true, especially with teen based acts. Yeah. Yeah. They love yeah. the idea that they're able to interact with them all day long. And I mean, it seems like, I know Halsey also deactivated her account, her Twitter account briefly for over two a- two days. Yeah. yeah, for two whole days, which is like 10 years in social media True. time. That's the other thing. If you're, just don't read the comments. For anyone famous, non-famous, don't read comments. I know. But kind of easier said than done. No, totally. That's because true. I think she still, I think she's, genuinely does talk to the fans and I think if you see if you just open your at replies and they're all like yelling at you I think that probably did ruin her day a little bit yeah um and I agree with the idea that the pop stars of today don't really you cannot be I think there was a sort of a break between Twitter pre-Twitter and post-Twitter where there were pre-packaged pop stars Britney I think was one of the last of that group because afterward you have to kind of have an engagement with fans directly and you have to be sort of a self-made pop star. Yeah, they're almost you're, a part of the label. Even if you're part of a label, Tanache, for exist, example, like her existence in pop world would not be without her having a hardcore social following and, and totally engaging fans because she was doing that for about four years with mixtapes and things like that. I just don't think even, you know, these pop stars who we say, oh, they were created in a boardroom, it's not that simple anymore. You don't it's really the American Idol effect. I don't think you do. Yeah, your your persona might be, you know, crafted, but I still think you have to or I guess the the suits have to create an image for you online of engaging with fans. I think you have to at this point. To me, I feel like Rihanna is the perfect embodiment of the success mm-hmm. of that because yeah, a lot of it is like a marketing arm of her, but it's also genuine Rihanna magic that fuels the fan passion. Absolutely. But in a way that doesn't seem like it exhausts her at all, but she's a cipher. I don't know. (laughs) No, she is a complete mystery and she's only become more mysterious with this album. But I still think you get these meet and greet pictures with her and she seems like she's been talking with fans the whole time, even though, oh my gosh, even though uh, I don't think that's the case at all. But uh, yeah, it's... And then you have people like Taylor Swift who invites her fans over for cookies and <laughs> into her home, which one of my friends got to do that. And he said that she was completely genuine, completely real. Run we around. need to get him on this podcast. He would definitely for have the recipe, to talk if about nothing it. else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if that's possible for everyone. I don't think everyone should have to bake cookies for their fans. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. think so. I don't that's, think Zane should have to. Just from a human <laughs> to human level. Zane has anxiety issues and I'm tired of everyone attacking him for it. But 
I think, yeah, on a humanity level, everybody's capacity to endure that much human interaction varies whether you're famous or not. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. There's also somebody like Lana who her persona seems very dramatic and, and she wouldn't want to engage with fans. But then you see the videos of her with fans and she's a completely different, goofy, happy person. And I, I think there's just such a separation. Marina, too. Marina has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of slack for uh, not talking to her fans outside of venues and, and people have really come for her. I just don't think that's a given. I don't think you necessarily have to be held responsible. And she defended Justin Bieber too when she did. Yeah, he she's gone through it too. Yeah, um, and I think I consider her a very genuine act. Like I think she she does her thing on stage, but I think she gives us exactly who she is on social. I think it's got her sense of humor and everything like that. I, I think people just want a piece of her that sometimes she's not willing to give, and I think that's fair. Allie wants a piece of her. That's Allie definitely true. does. I do. <laughs> um, a best friend piece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clarify. Have you met Marina? No, I haven't. Have you met Halsey? No, you haven't met Halsey. This is a part of the show where we just ask each other what celebrities we've met. I think we should definitely have <laughs> This is about 40, 50 really more minutes should. of this. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I've met I can Zane. speak to all of them. <laughs> we can talk about my experience. Please do. Was he friendly? He was very friendly. Did he Very seem like nice. he had anxiety? No, he didn't seem like he had anxiety. Okay. This well, was yeah. 2012, doctor, though, so. so who knows? Just saying. he's uh, He's been very touch and go with his... Uh, life. With his life. <laughs> his career. He's had, a, he's had an interesting <laughs> his year. His solo career has been very interesting. Um, solo career. <laughs> That's my Zane impression. <laughs> I've heard you do a better Zane impression. <laughs> That's also it. <laughs> That's him excited for a show so thank you guys for tuning into our first podcast um before we go we have a little bit of an interview that we did with carla hall from top chef uh we did a 10-year retrospective about the show it's been on the air for a decade and matt's going to tell us a little bit about that yes i am a big fan of the show you should definitely read it if you are too that is my plug it's on www.popcrush.com and um i talked to six former contestants and also a couple of behavioral specialists and psychologists just sort of about how the show can affect emotion and why there are contestants who um scream at each other which they do if you know the show why there are some who cry over pancakes that split in half accidentally when they're flipping them in the pan and carla was a delight to talk to she was very fun she was known known sort of on the show as like the kooky sort of spiritual one and she's obviously gone on to do great things she's the host of abc's the chew she has some restaurants coming up and yeah so take a listen and let us know what you think i remember exactly my first moment it was the first day of taping Everything is cloak and dagger, you know, they don't want you to talk to the other contestants because we're not actors and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I thought there was going to be some kind of orientation. So um, I saw Tom, I'm like, oh my God, there's Tom. Then I saw Pat, and I'm like, this is so cool. And we went down, and I thought we are going to meet them, you know, have a little something to eat. And, but no. We it was the show, and I remember the first person who got sent home, and then they mispronounced her name. And they had it. They had, they did it like three times. Oh, they had to refilm it. <laughs> yes, you know, and it's like oh, so sad. And she had to walk in front of us. I was like, <laughs> dang, she didn't even get a jacket. And then when they 
called me to do All Stars, I remember thinking I didn't want to do it. It is, it's really, I mean, it takes a lot out of you to compete and, and you know, and cook. And, and you're thinking, do I really need to do this? I just want to kind of go out on top like Seinfeld, you know, go out on top. What if I come back and I get kicked off the first time? Right. You're like, oh, you, don't, you just don't want to risk it. And also it's your brand. You, you want to be known for you and what the new things that you're doing and maybe not the, the, another show which is another brand. The thing that made me do it was to tell people that I didn't cater anymore. That's the only reason I did Tasha. All Stars. I said, I want to tell people I do not cater. And then that's when I was kicking off my cookie business. I remember. And you did, but you did well. You did not get kicked off first. You made it to I the... I did, I know. I made it to the finals. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. I was talking to Antonio recently about the, the challenge... Um, Ellis Island and sort of how that was all, you know, a particularly emotional one for all of you. And, um, you know, there have been, you know, different sort of instances of emotion through the show. That was one, obviously, like getting um, nostalgic and teary. And then, of course, everyone remembers like Dale flipping out. So I wanted to sort of ask, what is it about cooking that makes people so emotional? And are those things just conditions of the show? Or is that just cooking in general? No, I think I think it's cooking in general. I mean, you are talking to the person where I just had a meatloaf sandwich at a restaurant, and it was so good that I was laughing. Then all of a sudden, I was crying. So, <laughs> so this is who you're talking to. So, for other people, it may be very different. And interestingly enough, I think it was on Top Chef that because you're so stressed, you're constantly looking for something to make you feel calm or feel better or just something that's homey that you can connect to. And for me, it was doing dishes that I liked growing up. I mean, even doing the chicken pot pie. Remember, yeah. I, you know, so it was about doing dishes that made me feel better. And I think it was really on Top Chef that I discovered just all of this love for doing this southern food because before as a as a, a black chef and maybe it was food shaming I didn't want to do that food I didn't want somebody mm-hmm. to pigeonhole me into right. doing this food that that of course people assumed that I did so but this was the stuff that I was doing on Top Chef and then people saw me as the dessert chef and the person who made comfort food because that's what made me feel better and I would make food that I wanted to eat that day and sort of the impression you made on fans was, you know, a little bit different than sort of the things I mentioned previously, which is that, you know, you weren't explosive. You you didn't, you know, lash out in, in the way that just a few other people, you know, through the course of the show have done. Uh-huh. You were, you know, we saw you meditate and, you know, getting centered. Yeah. So I wanted to ask in a field that, you know, can sort of attract these types of very explosive, loud pers- like personalities. Do you find that you're like an anomaly in the field? Um, I, I guess so, but I think more people, um, you're finding that they may be a lot calmer. Mm-hmm. I think that when people are young and you're working in this field, because it, it is a young man's business, mm-hmm. and um, you're, you think everything is about you, you know? So you are so focused on your ego and, and wanting to make a mark that, you know, you may not have as much patience, but I was 42 when I did the two. I mean, when I did the um, Top Chef the first time. And I also think I didn't come up in a traditional kitchen either where there was a lot of screaming. And I went to culinary school 
at 30, so, and I'd already had a job, so when I was looking for a kitchen, I looked for a kitchen where people weren't screaming, mm-hmm. and, I, and I knew that. So I was all, so that, that is just my personality. I know I don't work well when people are screaming at me, and I don't scream at other people. And, I, and even hiring people, I will tell people, if you need someone to scream at you to be motivated to do the right thing, I'm not the person you need to work with, because I won't scream at you. And do you find with that sort of unique um, training that you were prepared in a particular way for Top Chef or maybe unprepared in a particular way? I think there were a couple things that made me prepared for Top Chef. One, I was a caterer, so I'm used to different kitchens. I'm used to to doing different kinds of foods. So, uh, and maybe my plating wasn't as fancy as some of the other people, but one of the things I'm, I'm, I was used to clients telling me what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So that gave me, I think, uh, a heads up and not feeling like I, I'm stuck in one lane and also one kitchen. So I'm always going to somebody. I think that's one of the hardest things of the show is going into a kitchen that you don't know. Right. You don't know how the equipment works. Uh, the other thing that helped me was my spirituality. And, you know, some people may have taken a Bible. I had... Eckhart Tolle's Awaken to a New Earth, and so I would read, and I would, I was, it was kind of centering myself outside of the, the game, if you will. Definitely. And another thing, I think the third thing, was because I had my own business, and it was just really hard, and I was constantly, you know, talking on the phone, cooking, trying to schedule things. I had to focus on one dish at a time. I'm like, oh my God, this is this was amazing. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a computer. A lot of people thought that they wanted those things. I'm like, this is like going to a silent meditation. Like, <laughs> you know, I got to talk to, the, you know, in the interviews in the middle of the night. I'm like, this is like therapy. I can tell you how I felt. I can just purge and just move on to a new day. I was, <laughs> this, this was amazing. I was like, you can't. Well, I, I did think that it was very different how the producers approached it when I did All Stars than when I did um, Season 5. Because they were like, they would sort of concoct things. I think, I think mm-hmm. they were more reality-based with their questions, but they weren't, and they weren't like that when I did Season 5. It was less about the food and like more about the competition? Yeah, it was just like, they were just trying to you know, pit us against each other. Right. Like, you know, don't you think that blah, blah, blah. Well, no, actually, I didn't think that at all. <laughs> now that you're mentioning it, you know, I think that the, the producers were very different. And I think it's gotten back, it got back to being about the food. And when you look back, just whether it's from the perspective of a contestant or maybe just a viewer when you weren't necessarily part of it, what are some sort of standout moments or personalities, and why do you think they connected with the audience the way that they did? I remember Dale and looking forward to meeting him. That was one of the reasons that I also wanted to do All-Stars, because I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see who comes. And I remember standing there and watching these people come to them, like, oh, my God, it's Dale Dowdy. Oh, it's Richard White. It's Tony. And so it was like this family reunion of people that you didn't really you had a connection to, but you didn't know them. So I was just as much a fan of theirs. So watching these people come to the, it was that for me was one of the best moments when we got to the house for um, All Stars and all of these different people were coming through the door that I had gotten to meet watching the show. 
Definitely. And it's sort of the age old question with Top Chef, but I just felt compelled to ask in the spirit of what the piece is about. You know, it's obviously hugely popular still. It's gotten Emmys, retained millions of viewers, launched careers and spinoff shows. Why do you think it's so popular when, you know, viewers can't experience the food the way that the judges do or the way that the diners do? I think because you eat with your eyes, I think especially with social media and looking at and, and actually taking the mystery of how this dish comes alive in the kitchen and bring it to the front. I think um, you go on this journey with people. It's, it's kind of like the author and why he wrote the words that he wrote in the book that you love. Mm -hmm. So you have this chef that you're getting to know personally and you, uh, you start to understand their food because you understand the person. And I think it's that connection. Um, I also think there is just this amazing thing that, you know, Top Chef has done for the food world and, and, and as well as Chopped and, and um, the next Iron Chef. But you have restaurants popping up in cities that may not have had a, a, a well-known chef and it's because of Top Chef and this, this, this chef has this opportunity for people to come and see him in person. And so I think it's kind of like the home, the home team, where you have these people that you can root for from your from your um, community, and and that's the connection as well. And um, and there are people who hop around the country just to eat at the restaurants of these people from Top Chef. I heard about that. So, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Have you found that recently, at least, like any have have sought you out to sort of say hello to you or sort of experience your food? I have, and they've come to uh, Brooklyn. My restaurant will be opening soon in Red Hook, and people are like, oh, I can't wait because I've already had all these people food. They they list all these different chefs that they've had their food, and. Um, and so it's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to that because there's some people who think, oh, you should, the girl can't really cook. And then there's some people like, oh, yeah, your food tastes. I think the best compliment that I will ever get is when I make something for somebody. And they will say, I love this, and your food tastes the way that I thought it would. That is really nice. You know, like kind of comforting and homey. And, and that's what you want. You... You know, you, you want to connect the dots. You know, you're the person that you think you are. You're the person that others think you are. Then you're the person that you truly are. And the closest that, that all three of those come together is really where you want to be. And having mentioned, you know, the restaurant opening up, can you sort of just share for people who don't necessarily know sort of what you're out, up to outside of the show and sort of what they can expect when they have your food? So, well, I'm doing the chew. So we're in our fifth season, and then for the restaurant, it's Carla Hall's Southern Kitchen. And I truly have the viewers and the fans of Top Chef to thank, because I think that's when I came into my own, and I stopped apologizing for making the food that I, I obviously connect to and I love. So it is Nashville's hot fried chicken, because I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, originally, and Southern Sides, and all the sides of vegetarian. That's a, that's a nod to people think that I'm a vegetarian. And the reason I did vegetarian food is because as a caterer, I look at everything that everyone's doing. I'm like, well, what are the vegetarians going to eat? I saw an unmet need, and I wanted people to feel like I'm expecting you to the party. So, and I know, obviously, you have, no by the sounds of it, no time anymore. But just in theory, 
saying the opportunity were to come back to come back on the show for you know all stars two or duels or whatever, and you had all the time in the world, would you do it? No, I think that's been pretty much the answer with everyone so far. So please don't feel alone in that response. Yeah, it's just too stressful. It's like, why, why would I do that? Well, that is everything that I had. I know you have to get back soon. So I just wanted to say thank you very, very much for your time. It's been really fun talking to you. You're I'm a, welcome. I'm a big fan of yours, so this was really fun for me to do. Thank you, Matt. Well, I hope you get to come to the restaurant, and I hope you get to taste some of our little bills. It's going to be fun. It's oh, I will be, be fun. there. And, I, um, and the other thing, one of the things that I love about Top Chef is that we truly support each other. So you have this, this, um, this level of support and that, that we give each other. And we do other things with each other and we celebrate each other. So I, I've done something with Jeff McGinnis, a pop-up, and I might do something with Dale Chowdy and doing, like, all of these really great friends that I have because of this show. And I am, I am so incredibly grateful for this franchise. I truly am. Well, even though you don't feel inclined to go back i'm sure i can speak for many people when i say we hope that you do at some point (laughs) (laughs) well thank you matt thank you so much of course have a good one that's it for this episode if you want to keep up with us at pop crush follow us at popcrush.com on twitter facebook and instagram and snapchat please rt please rt for brazil for brazil and follow and we will see you next week bye (laughs) (laughs) Bye.